I'm Lucy. And I'm Michelle. And this is the second episode of Philip the Fair. Philip the Fair, part two. And this is, incidentally, you probably know already, the biographical podcast that examines lives in the Tudor era. Yes. (laughs) Uh, Before we start today, uh, we've got a lot of people to thank. It's been a while since we've recorded a regular episode. So we need, we've got a lot of people that have joined us on Patreon. We're super yeah. excited and thankful. Yeah. <laughs> so it's going to be a bit of a long list today, but then we'll be all caught up and everybody will have had their thank yous. So we've got David Whitley, which I'm pretty sure we mentioned before because he found us before we were even set up. <laughs> before we'd even thought of the thing, I think. <laughs> I, know. I still have no idea how that happened. Uh, Teresa Muir. Ali Gibbs, Kirsten Trebber, Allison Scrace, Steve Cook, Andrew Schneider, Sheena Nichols, Elspeth Olson, Slothinator, which I absolutely love that name. <laughs> and I'm I'm hoping I'm going to pronounce this right. Denaya FP, Joan Hargrove, Jill Osmond, Linda Yancey, Amanda Hayes. Sarah Trom, Kaz, Courtney Smotherman, Robin McHugh, Anne Soulard, and Mon Jilton, I think. Thank you so much, everybody. It's, yes, wonderful. Oh, Thank it's you been very amazing. Much. I, I was I was actually surprised <laughs> how many people have joined up. It's been awesome. At least we know yeah. that people are listening. <laughs> yes. Yeah, and I recognize quite a lot of those names anyway from Facebook and... Yes, Instagram and Twitter. Mm-hmm. And a few people are in the merchant and noble class, so they've left us some comments to read out. Um, Monjilton's comment, I know I just subscribed and that you're all taking a brief hiatus. Sorry, that was a health issue. But there's a particularly diabolical Duchess of Burgundy that I would absolutely love to hear an episode done on. The one and only Margaret of York. I'd be so grateful if you would consider doing a podcast on her. I do believe that her life aligns with Henry VII's reign fairly well, especially in regards to Perkin Warbeck. But I'd really enjoy hearing about her in detail. Please consider it, and I hope you are both well. So would we. We'd like to hear about her in detail yes. as well. She <laughs> is in our box to pull. Yes. We just haven't yes, yes, yet. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's the one thing about having these boxes. But at the same time, it's the exciting thing. You never know who you're going to get. So you're still eager for some people and just waiting. <laughs> yes, I was thinking because I was listening to um, Radio 3, which is our sort of classical music channel in this country, England, that is. I've been having a bit of a Tudor fest recently and I was listening to a talk about why the Tudors are so are still so in, of interest to people. Yeah. And one of the things they said was particularly Henry VIII to Elizabeth probably mainly. Yes. Is of more interest to women than a lot of other periods of history because you've got the, the queens, the first queens. Oh yes, and you you've can got actually read about them this time. Yeah, prior to this, except for the past in letters, you just have no detail on women. Hmm. It didn't really apply quite so much to to the period we're doing now. I was just thinking, we've only done two women? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So far. But two amazing women. Oh, yes, yes. Not knocking them. (laughs) I wouldn't dare. 
<laughs> yeah, no, they're... Um, yeah, there are a few more to come. Yes. But not as many as we'll get in later seasons. Yeah. Unfortunately, we just don't have anything. Well, we don't have much in writing for mm. women of this time period for Henry VII. They, I don't know if it's because education came in differently. We were talking about that, how Isabella's court is the first court where she's like, you know what, I'm going to actually educate girls. And that traveled mm. to the rest of the courts in Europe. And then we start seeing more information from the women. Yes, but I suppose the fact that all of a sudden you've got six wives all in one, oh, yes. all in one go <laughs> probably bumps, bumps it up a bit, doesn't it? Oh, what a lovely man. Okay, we've got a few more comments. It feels so wonderful having all this support. It really does, yes, because we're sitting, I think you're sitting on your landing, I'm sitting in my bedroom, mm -hmm. and... We're just talking to each other. Yes. <laughs> it just seemed a bit odd. It must be even stranger if you're doing it all by yourself. Oh, yeah. You'd get, you'd have nobody with feedback. Oh, that, that feels kind of lonely <laughs> to me. Yes, <laughs> yes it is nice to be able to, to say people do listen. Yes. And they mm. have lovely things to they say. listen more than once. Yes. Yes. So far, no haters. It's <laughs> not that no, I've No, we did get a review right at the beginning. Which wasn't so great, but then it was complaining mainly about the sound quality. Yes. And they had a point. Yes, they did Our have a point. Early sound was, was, was pretty ropey. <laughs> <laughs> but we were learning. No matter how yeah. much you read about how to do it, until you actually record, it, it doesn't quite make sense, or at least it didn't for me. I'm thinking we're doing really good, and then we're listening back to it and going, ooh, that was bad. <laughs> Ah, we've got Slothinator's comment. Ah. He says, hi, L. Sorry, I go by L most of the time. Uh, it's <laughs> great to hear from you and you deserve all the support and more. I wasn't especially interested in the Tudor period before your podcast, but now I'm excited about every new episode. <laughs> As someone working on a new Rexy pod, you're the yes. goal for research, quality and entertainment. Keep up the good work. Wow. Which is fantastic. That is coming out quite soon as well. Yes, yes. I've sent a message asking when so we can plug it. But I'm seriously excited. He's he or she, actually, we don't know. I'm sorry. He? He, he Umberto, I think his name is. Okay. They're starting a Rexypod mm -hmm. on the rulers of Persia, mm. which has got to be exciting. That's going to be completely different from any kind of European culture. Yes, Bridges. I know Xerxes and Darius, but that's that's my limit. So yeah, you should be listening to that. Yeah, I'm I'm <laughs> really excited about that. So I've asked for more information about when it's going to be released and what they've decided on for a name. And as soon as we've got that, we'll put that out. The last comment we have is Sarah Troms. She says, thank you for your podcast. It's fantastic. And I look forward to each new episode. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you, nice. everybody. This has been just so nice. Mm. It has. It has become a very major part of life now. Yes, it is. <laughs> very. But that's it for our thank yous. Thank you very much, everybody, for joining Patreon. We really appreciate it. We do. We do. So, Philip the Fair Part 2. Okay. Well, we left Philip and Juana... Poor and mom. the German mercenaries 
2,000 German mercenaries and the ship full of ladies. I don't know if you yes, remember them. Yes, his ladies that he brought with him. How? Oh. The one that he, um, she insisted that he uh, got rid of and then he sneaked them onto another boat. Yeah. They are being tossed around on the waves mm-hmm. in the, one of the most tr- horrific storms. <laughs> I mean, it really sounded awful. I, I, the quote I gave last time was, uh, in London, trees are uprooted, roofs collapsed, and there's torrential rain yeah. to the great hurt of sundry cattle and especially of sheep. Oh, I wonder what happened to the sheep. Why sheep specifically? Well, I was Did wondering that. <laughs> if it flooded, that would make sense. They're lower to the ground. I, that's why I used the quote, really. I thought, why sheep? I don't know. I do yeah. know that sheep are about half the size that they are now. They yeah, were very small. Mm. It's not something you think about. But if you look at the uh, some of the images, the paintings that were done for this time period and even Henry VIII's, they are quite, quite low to the ground, like under the knees. Whereas now, if you go to an English baby doll sheep, they're called baby doll, and yet they're above the knee when you stand beside them. So they're still Mm. very large. But yeah, so they were quite a bit smaller, and I wonder if that was the problem. It flooded. Yes, maybe. Hmm? No. Total aside, back to the podcast. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, I I like asides. (laughs) They're often the most interesting part of yes. the podcast, aren't they? <laughs> so, January the 15th, 1506. In fact, Philip, Juana and their men were lucky to survive. The boat nearly sank. And for some reason, it caught fire in several places. And I was trying to work out what at that time would have been on board to create a fire hazard. I mean, candles are hardly like to set the boat on fire no. if it's being inundated with seawater. Oil lamps? Did they have oil lamps? Maybe. I was thinking the cooking stove. Oh, the cooking know. stove. But in, yeah. But anyway, it kept catching fire. If, you, if, you're feeling, if you're terrified you're going to drown, the fact things keep catching fire must be sort of the last straw. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> anyway, if Philip and Juana counted themselves lucky to be alive, that was nothing compared to how lucky Henry must have felt when he heard the news that Philip had been shipwrecked at Malcolm Regis <laughs> on the Dorset coast. It makes you think of uh, Mr. Burns from The Simpsons just going, yes. <laughs> fingers going in front of his face, like, I've got you. <laughs> yes. Just wheeling him in. Yeah. <laughs> in fact, he was so pleased, he wrote to his mum. Hmm. Yeah, among other people, you know, hey, mum, you'll never guess what's happened. <laughs> <laughs> Henry invited Philip to Windsor Castle, and Philip headed off, presumably very reluctantly. His ships were in no fit state for him to get back on and sail away. And only a couple of the boats had actually made it ashore at Malcolm Regis. The rest had ended up further along the coast at Falmouth oh, in Cornwall. I you were going to say they were all drowned. No, I don't think any of them were. Oh, good. From what I, from, from what I could find out. But um, Philip probably wouldn't have known about the other boats. Oh, yeah. And I don't know where the ladies ended up, but I do know that, I do know they survived. Anyway, he set off, and Prince Henry met Philip in Winchester, which was a deliberate choice given its chivalric connotations. And they rode on together to Windsor. And Prince Henry, that's Henry the Eighth to be, got quite a crush on Philip because Philip oh, cut right. quite, quite a dashing figure. Yeah, I mean he was a, quite a contrast to 
Prince Henry's parole consumptive yeah. dad. Oh, David Starkey was talking about how he had a little crush on him and wrote him letters that were very funny. Yes, fawning. he did afterwards. Yes. Yeah. When Henry VII greeted Philip, he was all smiles. You don't think of Henry smiling much, but he was smiling then. Yeah, not at all. <laughs> he even gave up, gave up his lodgings to Philip, saying that he'd stay in the Queen's lodgings. I mean, she'd been dead for three years by this point, so I mean, he might as well make use of oh, them, I suppose. Wow. We, we know a lot of detail, more than I'll go into here, about Philip's reception from the Paston letters and words sent back to Margaret Beaufort. <laughs> <laughs> Philip apparently didn't seem as happy as Henry. Oh, I wonder why. Mm, he told him, sighing, I don't know, he told him, oh, I see right well that I must needs do your commandment and obey as reason will. Oh, I'm not happy. <laughs> Eeyore. <laughs> His picture actually does look a bit like Eeyore, doesn't it? <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll see it at the end when we do floor to floor. But yeah, Eeyore is quite, um, quite apt. Yeah. Henry practically suffocated Philip with hospitality. Because he was making a point. I mean, Henry liked to make a point. He could afford to be magnanimous. He held all the cards yes. and there was nothing Philip could do about it. <laughs> Good luck leaving. <laughs> oh, yes. In the afternoon, Philip met Catherine of Aragon at a musical entertainment. And she must have been very disappointed that Juana wasn't there with him. Because right. she'd, she'd been left behind, I think, in Winchester. Yes, I remember certainly she, she hadn't come to Windsor. Him. No. Not yet. And I wonder why. Apparently, Catherine kept trying to get Philip to dance. And after a while, Philip got so irritated, he rebuffed her and turned his back on her and talked to Henry. Mm. I mean, I can see why he'd find it annoying. As far as he was concerned, this was anything but a party. I know, but wow, no, there are manners. Catherine would have meant nothing to him. She's just the sister of the wife he detests. Yeah, I know, but yeah. still, she could... Mm. Oh, that's cruel. I think that's mean. That's mean. Well, I think we've already concluded that he's not a very nice person. No. No, but that just smacks of being... I don't Petty? know. Petty? Small-minded? Yes. Yes. If Philip was interested in anyone, it would have been Henry's daughter, Mary since there was talk of her marrying Philip's son, Charles. Oh, yes. Oh, I wonder what life would have been like if that had happened. Yes. Well, Mary apparently put on quite a show, dancing and playing the lute and the clavichord. Everybody thought she was the most beautiful princess ever. Well, she was 11 at this time. Yeah. But you do get the impression that it was, you know, not like now. If, you know, if an 11-year-old gets up and starts showing off like that, everyone just thinks, oh, God, sit down, can't you? <laughs> but apparently everyone was really impressed by her. Uh, it was expected. She was had to perform to show, yes. you know, I can do this, I can do that, yeah. I can juggle. Yeah, can basically it was the same thing as my nose. when you had the two-year-olds come out, they're up for being married off. I don't know, it sounds like it's still meat market to me. Because they would bring out a two-year-old and they'd strip them to show that they didn't have any defects. Well, she's now at the point where they can say, look at all her accomplishments because it's still a negotiation. She's being shown off as if she's a mer mercantile product. <laughs> mm, yes, she is. They might as well have showed her teeth. <laughs> Look, she has I all of them. I was just thinking that when you said about the two-year-old, I was thinking of hoisting up the lip to yeah. <laughs> look round. <laughs> but you think poor Catherine must have been feeling pretty miserable. I mean, she's very much the wallflower in this 
in this particular yeah often this is after arthur has passed away yes yeah so she's all alone she's being badly treated and now she's being badly treated by what she might consider her own family because mm-hmm. he did marry her sister yes she must have come bouncing up and said oh it's my brother-in-law and then he was, was completely, a jerk. rebuffed oh, yes poor catherine and she must have been sitting there thinking, my poor sister's married to this. Oh, that might be the other thought. Yeah. yeah. Over the next few days, Philip and Henry went hunting, watched a display of archery, and they even watched a horse being baited by dogs. Oh, God. It's all good, clean fun. Oh. And it wasn't until the 9th of February that the serious stuff started. So it's obviously Henry is just making this thing go on and on and on. He, he just bounce into Philip's room every morning and saying, guess what I got planned for you today? And Philip's thinking, I just want to get going. Yes, but at the same time, I don't have ships. I'm yes. assuming the ships are being repaired so he can't leave anyway. I assume so. Yeah, I mean, it, that's what Henry would tell him anyway, yeah. I should think. <laughs> no, they're not ready to go. Yes. Not yet. So basically he's showing off. He's like a little kid showing off. Yes. He's got Philip on a little string. Yeah. Little puppet. Yes. And he's just bouncing him about. <laughs> yes. Just, yes. I, think, I, I think Henry's probably having the best time he's ever had. <laughs> First, Philip was sworn into the Order of the Garter. So he gets to be a Tudor Rose, doesn't he? Yes, he does. Too bad Which he might not sucks. mean anything to people listening to this unless they're Patreons, yes. in which case they are Tudor Roses. Yes. With Prince Henry himself buckling on the garter, which is an image. Yes. It can't, it can't help thinking about sort of um, the can-can dancer type <laughs> of garter. <laughs> satiny number. Oh, my goodness. And Prince Henry was invested with the Order of the Golden Fleece. Now, I thought it was quite interesting because I had read that Duke of Bedford, presumably Jasper, had tried to give Philip the Order of the Garter, but Philip, realising that this was an attempt to tie him to the English king, had politely declined. Oh, but now he can't. Yeah, well, I also read that the English didn't like accepting foreign orders because they didn't want to be beholden. Were you... So, um, well, I guess, yeah, you'd have to be kind of a subject to the king in that case. Yes, but... Obviously, he has no choice now. Yeah. And I should imagine Prince Henry was saying to his dad, please let me, please, please, please let me have the golden fleece, please. Yeah. Because it's it's all about chivalry, isn't it? That's... That and he loved Philip. And the mm. golden fleece, isn't that like Jason and the Argonauts? Greece? Yes, it's got rather, I like it. It's a rather nice chain with a what looks like a dead sheep, actually. Aww. But it is a, just the fleece, <laughs> just the fleece of their sheep. Um, sort of hanging with either side. Queen Elizabeth II. I think I've seen that brooch on her. Yeah, I didn't. I know she. Well, obviously she's garter, but I didn't know she was golden fleece as well. Maybe she gets them all. Yes, she is included along with Emperor Akihito of Japan and the former mm-hmm. Tsar Simeon of Bulgaria and Queen Beatrix of the Netherlands. They're all part of the Order of the Golden Fleece. And yes, she does have a brooch. Right, well, that's the fun bit, really, I said, well, not for Philip, maybe, because he didn't want it in the first place, but then it was treaty time. Oh, yeah, I've got you captive. I can ask for anything. Yes. <laughs> Henry wanted a mutual extradition pact, okay. a mutual defence pact. Oh, my. He wanted to marry Philip's sister, Margaret. Oh, my. And he wanted to trade with Burgundy tax-free 
and duty-free. Now, you'll remember when we talked about the intercursus magnus, I stressed the phrase reciprocal agreement. Mm -hmm. Well, that's gone. And what does intercursus mean? I remember it not being a good thing. Isn't that the cursed treaty or something? That's what they call this one. Yes, they call it the intercursus malus, the bad treaty. Yes, the original one was intercursus magnus, the, the great treaty. But Philip had no choice but to sign along the dotted line. So it's a good example of the Wheel of Fortune having a really good spin. (laughs) (laughs) And then Juana turned up since she had to sign too. Ah, that's the only reason she came. That's why she's there. And Philip had frequently glossed over the reasons why she was not with him. And when it became apparent that she was on her way, he told Henry not to make a big thing of her arrival, but to let her in through a side gate. Oh, wow. Hmm. I don't know if that's because he honestly thinks that she's mad or because he's a petulant person that still wants, even though he's captive, he wants to be the only important person that people know about. Well, I don't know. Henry had other ideas, though. (laughs) She's getting a grand entrance. She certainly does. And I'm sure he's enjoying Philip's discomfort. (laughs) Henry, along with Mary and Catherine, welcomed Juana and and her entourage. And I can imagine them all standing in a row at the top of the steps. Hello. Welcome. Arms outstretched. Yes. Huge smiles. Here's an ermine robe. Yes. With Philip king. lurking in the shadows behind them, glowering Grinding to himself. Grinding his teeth. <laughs> <laughs> Yay. I don't like it. <laughs> Eating thistles. So it should have been a time for the two sisters to spend some time together, but no. Philip whisked Juana off to the lodgings and dumped her there. Oh. And Philip's attendants kept stressing to Henry that she was mad. But Henry later said, she seemed very well to me, and although her husband and those who came with her depicted her as mad, I did not see her as other than sane. Oh. So. Well, if he only had a short time period. I don't know. I'm thinking of Alzheimer's. I don't know. Depends depends whether she was allowed out later. I'm not sure. Yeah. We'll perhaps find out in her her episode. Yeah. I've met some people with... um... Alzheimer's, where for a little bit, they seem completely normal, and then they'll start talking about somebody who's been dead for years as if, oh, I just saw them yesterday. Or you get the same stories all over again. Yeah, yeah. But at first, they seem perfectly normal. So if you didn't have much time with her, that's not really, we can't really take him. Yeah. He was not going to let Philip go until he was sure that he physically had Edmund de la Pole. Ha! <laughs> he sent Our troops over to Burgundy episode. to pick him up. Our next episode. That was good. A nice bit of serendipity there. Yeah. Spoiler alert. <laughs> yes. <laughs> he sent troops over to Burgundy to pick him up and in the meantime filled Philip's days with lavish entertainment, which Philip must have found intensely frustrating. Yes. <laughs> he had a Spanish throne to safeguard and he was kicking his heels in England. And Henry must have known that he was finding it frustrating. And enjoyed every minute of that. Henry even offered Philip a tour of the Tower of London, and Philip apparently refused emphatically. Um, Did he think that Henry was going to lock him up? (laughs) I don't know. They went to see a friend of mine, Margaret Beaufort, and they all listened to Philip's minstrels, who appeared to have come along for the ride. (laughs) Margaret sat there, and I quote Thomas Penn's Winter King here, her customary glass of Mulsey to hand. (laughs) 
So she's getting gently sozzled while she listens to the music, which sounds fine to me. You know, I was thinking about that too. Another aside, they didn't have painkillers. And she had severe arthritis. Yeah. So I wonder. That's very true. I wonder if the drinking was pain relief. Maybe. Oh, Hmm? gosh. Can you imagine being back then without any painkillers? Permanently drunk. Permanently drunk. Yeah, at least it works. (laughs) It gives you something. That's true. You may still be in pain, but you don't care. (laughs) Yes. It's a bit like uh, morphine, isn't it? Yeah. You you get weird texts from people in hospital saying, (laughs) Yes. (laughs) I've never been happier. (laughs) Right. Finally, Henry let him go. He'd been there for six weeks. After he got what, though? What did he get out of After him? he got Edmund. Edmund. So did he get the... Because I don't remember us talking about them getting duty-free and tax-free. Did he get that as well? Oh my well, God. as far as I know, I mean, that that's in the, the intercursus malus. As far as I know, it went ahead mm. as planned. So then my question is, is they had uh, an oath under duress was not an oath. So hmm. couldn't Philip have just reneged on it, saying, no, I was distressed, or what is that called? Under <sighs> duress. I was under duress. Yes. Well, I don't know. Might, yeah. Well, I'll, have a look. I'll have to look into that. I just assume that once it was signed, yeah, but Maximilian signed things that he then went against. Yeah, saying, like, I did not want to sign this, and you held me. And Henry VIII, as will be. Yes. Said, I don't want to marry Catherine after all. I was too young. Yeah. I don't know. I'll look into it for next time. Okay. In fact, Philip then went down with something which delayed them further. And then they hit stormy weather, which oh, delayed no. them even more. <laughs> <laughs> Although miraculously, and I think it's miraculous, Philip and Juana managed to conceive another child while they were waiting. Princess Catherine. Most <sighs> she's even talking to him. Yeah. They finally set sail on the 16th of April, and they had arrived, if you remember, four months earlier to the day, about the 16th of, Jan- of January. Yeah. The treaty did falter a bit because Margaret, Philip's sister, point blankly refused to marry Henry. With the, <laughs> she didn't like his portrait with the little fingers over the edge? Didn't like the little fingers, and she'd been married twice. She said, well, I've done that. Mm-hmm. I've had enough. Yep. I'm 25. I don't need it anymore. Yes. <laughs> but it doesn't matter because he can soon make other plans. Spain. 
He feared a hostile reception and so went to Seville, where he'd not be expected to go. And he intended to travel slowly across Seville, receiving homage in every town he passed through. But it didn't work like that. I feel it must have been cursing his decision to do this journey by water. <laughs> it caused nothing but trouble. He arrived on the 26th of April, 1506, in a little town called Coruna, up in the northwest. The town welcomed him, but Juana refused to vow to observe the statutes of the town. Quite unfazed, Philip just got one of her ladies in waiting to do it. Oh, jeez. So this does show that they did survive the journey, at mm -hmm. least. <laughs> this infuriated Juana further. She said she would do nothing without her father's say-so, and she retreated to a monastery. Because Philip had promised Juana that she would see her father as soon as they landed. This oh, was a lie. Yes, it was. He had no intention of honouring that vow. Oh, my goodness. He just started issuing decrees in Juana's name against her will. He's a loser. Ferdinand set out to meet the couple in a spirit of welcome, but Philip chose to see this as a hostile act. Maybe it was. We'll find out. This is after Isabella has passed away as well. Yes. We should mention yeah. that, so yeah. she's not there yes, anymore. Yes, she's gone. Yeah. Philip would be, was afraid they'd be cut off if they stayed where they were, so he marched south. Well, it, it sounds very much like they are setting up for a battle. They're manoeuvring. He's got his uh, 2,000 German oh, mercenaries that he's taken Now with him. I realise why he's got mercenaries with him. I don't know if he thinks they're protection or if he... Well, I, I found that hard to tell. Yeah. And I don't think we'll know until we see Ferdinand's side. Uh, I don't know whether he was just taking precautions or mm. whether he had other plans. He surrounded himself only with people he trusted implicitly, which is sensible yes. or paranoid, we're not sure. <laughs> well, he is dealing with Ferdinand and after just the periphery of knowing him, yeah, I, yeah. I would too. <laughs> yeah. The Spanish grandees couldn't understand why Juana was keeping herself in seclusion when she was meant to be ruling, yes. not Philip. Yes. And she was re refusing to sign documents or see anyone. Was she actually refusing or was Philip telling them that she was refusing? Who knows? Mm. <laughs> I don't know. Because mm. at the moment I'm looking at it from Philip's point yes. of view. So yeah. as Ferdinand assessed the situation, Philip had all those German mercenaries. Yeah. So what to do? What to do, what to do? Well, the best thing to do was to ditch the daughter and negotiate with the son-in-law. Oh, my God. <laughs> He's a loathsome little reptile, isn't he? They both are. Ferdinand and Philip agreed to meet. Philip dressed in full armour, surrounded by 2,000 mercenaries and 200 archers. Ferdinand was practically unarmed, and he stepped forward and embraced Philip. So Philip had been made to look a fool. Yeah, very much so. <laughs> and Philip didn't like being made to look a fool. Uh, please tell me he did not tell them to open fire. <laughs> uh, he told his followers that Ferdinand proposed to surrender Castile unconditionally and head off to Naples. And Juana was not to be given any share of the government. Now, I don't know how true that was. We'll find that out in Ferdinand's episode. Yeah. But the fact was that Ferdinand did then leave. Oh, he did? So... Mm. without even asking to see his daughter. <gasps> what a mm. jerk. Actually, he hadn't seen her for ages. Yes, he? but he's a jerk to all of his kids. Mm. I don't like him. Ferdinand was happy, though. He could wait, 
before long. Philip would try and govern Castile as if it were the Low Countries, and the Castilian grandees would rise up and oust him. That oh. was Philip, uh, Ferdinand's plan. They would side with Juana, and then Ferdinand and Juana could rule alone. And then a few choice words about Juana's sanity. Oh, maybe get that diary out again. That would do the trick, wouldn't it? Yeah. So anyway, we'll find out more of these machinations in their own episode. But I don't think he's behaving very well. No. Neither of them are. No, Juana was justifiably furious with Philip. She rode off and hid in a bakehouse and refused to come out until she'd seen her father. And I don't know if anyone had told her what her father had done. I'm sure Philip tried to. Yeah. Because, well, he would, wouldn't he? Yeah, but if you're being treated so poorly by your husband, would you listen to him? No, I don't believe what you're saying. Would she believe him? So the Cortes, the Parliament, then got caught up in what was essentially a marital... Well, tiff, really. And they were quite baffled about what was going on. <laughs> but Philip was on very dodgy ground because people, the people didn't think that Juana was insane. And, and they were furious that their queen had been imprisoned. Yeah, and the will from Isabella said he could not have any say in the government. Yeah, she did too. She did one beforehand and then one just three, three days before she died. Yes. I mean, she couldn't have made it any clearer. No, it actually says he is not to have any say in the government. It's not that mm. he was not mentioned. He was mentioned. <laughs> Joanna then acted with immense dignity and sense, unlike the men around her. I left that until Joanna's episode. But it obviously occurs to her to take the moral, moral high ground, I think. Okay. Because the populace were very resentful of Philip's soldiers because it felt more like an invasion. Yes. I mean, we've seen this before, haven't we, when Perkin went into into England with Scottish troops. Yes. When he went into Kent, Kent. with uh, Dutch troops. <laughs> yes. <laughs> People don't like foreign troops on their land, it turns no, out. No, not at all. No. There was a lot of resentment about how the country had been run since Isabella's death, with proclamations coming from both Philip and Ferdinand, supposedly in Juana's name. Jeez. And everywhere they went, the people showed their love for Juana and their contempt for Philip and his shoulders. I always have trouble with this word. Soldiers. <laughs> soldiers. I always say shoulders. The worse the situation, the more Philip was determined to have Juana put away so she couldn't cause trouble for him. I should imagine he's embarrassed. Yeah. Hmm. He just thinks, well, if, if they can't see her... They'll stop shouting at me. No, it doesn't work that way. (laughs) No. They arrived at the town of Burgos on the 19th of September, 1506. And there was a banquet. And then Philip and his friends went for a ride. And then had a game of tennis. And that night Philip wasn't feeling great. But he still went hunting the next day. His condition worsened. Shivering, fever, swollen neck, pustules that looked a bit like smallpox. Juana nursed him. And he, but he was terrified of being poisoned, so she took all the medicines that he took oh, to appease his fears. Oh, yeah, that's healthy. Mm. Mm. Well, she was pregnant, so it probably wasn't a very wise oh, thing to do. Oh, my goodness. But chroniclers all comment on her devotion to her patient. I suppose she'd finally got him, hadn't she? Yeah. She, he, he wasn't going anywhere now. No. But notwithstanding her care, Philip the Fair died on the 25th of September, 1506. He was just 28 years old. 
<laughs> they pack a lot in, don't they, these oh, Tudors? Gosh. It makes me want to go, yay! <laughs> 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 so bad. It was probably typhoid, although Hannah was convinced it was poison. There was plague going around at the time, but the term plague doesn't necessarily mean black death. It just meant an epidemic of any yes. sort, really. Yeah. Philip is entombed in the royal chapel at Granada, alongside Juana, Isabella and Ferdinand, the wife and in-laws he detested mm-hmm. for all eternity. Serves him right. So, Philip's dead, but on the plus side, Juana is now free to marry again. And Henry VII has just been rejected by Philip's sister Margaret. Oh. Anyway, shall we rate this paragon of manhood then? (laughs) Yes. Yes, we shall. Okay. Amphibily. Intrigue. Intrigue. What a sneaky man. What a... Ugh. I don't mm. like Remember, it's a child-friendly podcast. Yes. <laughs> well, we keep saying that, and then we keep getting sidetracked with syphilis. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how child-friendly it is. <laughs> Henry paid him £138,000, so he cut his ties with first Perkin and then Edmund de la Pole. And he pockets the money and complies with the terms only when his back's against the wall. Right. And he's got no choice. And I don't know how much he had to do with John de la Pole. Philip's not really mentioned. It's mainly Auntie Margaret and Maximilian's with that one. Uh, there's a lot of toing and froing between support for France and support for Spain, but then they were all at that, weren't they? Mm-hmm. I, yeah. I mean, Henry's doing that <laughs> much more sneakily. Yeah. But... but still, the fact that he's able to do that against Henry and Henry kept giving him more stuff. Mm. Then there were the machinations for the Spanish throne. Trying to get Juana put away so he could wrestle the throne off Ferdinand yeah. and rule alone. Rule a country that he hated anyway. I mean, it was it was hot. They drank wine. He didn't like it. There. Yeah. He wanted to go home. I almost feel he should lose points for for that, really, because he was just so cack-handed at it, wasn't he? I mean, yeah. There was no finesse or subtlety. No, he's just being petulant. Yeah. He's just saying, look, she's, she's mad as a hatter. Let's have her put away. Still intriguing against her, and in such oh, a personal, evil way. Yes, I think it's quite high on intrigue because yeah. he just made he just made me cross, and so I bumped it up a bit. <laughs> yeah, well, it's not just that he's doing it so that he can have the crown that he has been expressly told in a will that he had absolutely no rights to. He was mm-hmm. specifically excluded, and he still managed to have Ferdinand leave and attempt to rule for a while. I'm going to have to give it a 10 just for that, because he took a crown that he had no right to. True. Yeah, I think maybe it was being told he had no right to it that he thought, right, we'll, <laughs> we'll see. Yeah. We'll see about that. Uh, I mean, there was no no nothing that I found that... That implied that he was sort of goaded into doing it by being told he couldn't. But he seems that sort of person. Yes, he? he really does. And it was a long, drawn-out intrigue against his wife. If if we do her and she comes out to be perfectly sane, mm, then it... that's the difficulty, isn't it? Yes. Is, is he gaslighting her, or is he trying to say to people, "Look, honestly, she is mad as a completely hatter. On- yeah, she's completely mad." Please don't let her run your country because she's not up to it. And I'll, you know, I'll 
I'll do my best to take over. Perhaps that's perhaps he's just a nice man who's misunderstood. Except I don't feel that. No. Just for the fact that Isabella had all these reports and she was so mad at how he was treating her daughter. And she mm. should have known whether or not her daughter had a mental weakness. Yes. But did she? Because she just did say unable to rule in her own will. I'm still going to put it at a 10 because he did. I'm conspire. just thinking how much how much Isabella was responsible for that, for dragging her children in, <laughs> into war. You're going to come with me into this town that we've just subdued. Oh, your father got stabbed. We, we mm. should have waited. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I mean, that's got to have had some mental impact on yes. her, I would have thought. Yeah. I mean, that's the trouble we don't know about Juana and probably... Never Even when we will. do her, we probably never will. So I don't think I'm going to get, go with a 10 just because there is that possibility that we're misreading it completely. Mm. I'd like to give him some benefit of the doubt. I might go for an 8, I think. Okay. I'm sticking with my 10 because he still got a crown that he was not supposed to have. Yes. Antiperistasis. Rise and fall. It's hard to say, really, because he was Archduke of Burgundy at the age of four. Mm-hmm. Well, I suppose he was at the age of 15, but it was four when his mother died. But yeah. he actually took control when he was 15. But when he died, he was still just the Archduke of Burgundy because he hadn't been given the crown of Castile or Aragon or Spain. or Yeah. And he never did really get them, not in mm. reality or legitimately, legally. And if he had lived, would Ferdinand have ousted him? Probably. I mean, he might have been initially accepted by the Spanish grandees, but Ferdinand seemed to be banking on the fact that Philip would yeah. antagonise him so they wouldn't, he wouldn't last long. And they'd just be begging Ferdinand, Ferdinand to take over. So I think he sort of didn't really go anywhere, did he? Mm-hmm. He tried. And he, Ooh. I don't know if that's rise and fall so much, but he did give away... Quite a lot of stuff that Burgundy probably wouldn't have wanted him to give away. So he probably wasn't quite so popular back in Burgundy either. Honestly, I'm probably just going to give him a one for claiming Mm. a crown that wasn't his. But he didn't really get it legally. He was just ruling on behalf of his wife. He didn't go up or down. No, I don't think he did. So I'm just going to give him a one. Okay, I was going to go for a two for the same reason, really. But I felt the fact that he had... I'm trying to think what the word is, um, sort of assimilated this, this crown yeah. and implied it was his, even though it wasn't. Yeah. I mean, he was ruling, sort of, Ooh. at the time he died. Amphiboly. Going back to Amphiboly, he really did intrigue. He was married to a Spanish princess and then went through France on his way home after <laughs> after he left Isabella and Ferdinand. So, yeah. I'm, That's true. I'm yeah. still with a den. But yes. Yeah, you can't go much higher, can you? No. But yeah, one for antiperistasis. He didn't go anywhere. No, he didn't. He'd like to have done. Yes, he would have. Martyrdom. Zero. <laughs> BT. Every Spanish king from then until now has been descended from him. Yes. Or at least descended from his son, but it's because of him that his son got to be king of Spain, but it so isn't it was Isabella's treaty and will that they got married. Yeah. 
So I can't yeah. even say it was him because he had no say no. in that marriage. No. No, it's uh, Isabella and just Isabella Maximilian. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I just see her telling Maximilian, this is what we're doing. <laughs> no, I yeah. unless he did something spectacular, it feels almost like he was a passenger on this ship. Yes. I mean, his children became Eleanor, Queen of France and Portugal. Charles, Holy Roman Emperor, Isabella, Queen of Denmark, Ferdinand, Ferdinand, Holy Roman Emperor, Mary, Queen of Hungary, Catherine, Queen of Portugal. So that's quite a roll call of being a good spread across Europe. I mean, it's not him, it's his children, but it's quite... Um, but then we're giving him points just for being no. fruitful. No, I'm, I'm, what I'm doing here is scraping the bottom of the barrel. <laughs> There is nothing there. You were getting up wood. <laughs> he's he's a bit like Henry the Seventh because he's eclipsed by Other, either side. Yeah, you've got Mary and Maximilian before him, and then you've got Charles after him. Yes, all strong players, and he was just sort of self. Mm. Well, I couldn't find one damn book about him. I am doing a zero. If I could do a negative, I'd do a negative. Hmm. He might be more famous in Holland. And he was a patron of Hieronymus Bosch, which is something. From an English point of view, if we know Philip at all, it's for refusing to give up Perkin and refusing to give up Edmund de la Pole and taking Henry's money, which is not something you really want to be remembered for. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go for one because he was patron of Hieronymus Bosch. Okay. And, well, it's something, isn't it? Was he his only patron? Probably not, but he was his most famous patron, I suppose. Okay, I'll give him a one just because I like Bosch. Not because of him. (laughs) Again, he's just sort of a I don't think any of these points have been for him, have they? (laughs) Nope. (laughs) And we'll be looking at Bosch in the episode Northern Renaissance. Yeah, yeah. In fact, we're looking at him now. Flaunt of bleeding flaunt. And this is Hieronymus Bosch, the first one. The first one. Um... Uh, which one is him? Okay, so I'm looking at... He is the gentleman on the right. Okay, who's probably. the gentleman it's... on the left that looks like he's sneaking away and dead? That is St. James of Compostela, uh... and the one on the right is probably St. Barvo, who is the patron saint of Ghent and Harlem. What's with the little mittens on the bottom? They look like mittens to me. Oh, I think <laughs> I think what they are are shields and uh, Philip's coat of arms was going to be put in them, but he died. So I don't know whether oh. Bosch thought, oh, well, I'll wait for, wait for somebody else and put theirs in. But the, yes, St. Barvo on the right, the gentleman surrounded by beggars. You can see there's a man behind him who's got his oh, yes. severed foot on a, on a cloth Ew. and he's begging. Yes, it um, is. That's meant to be based on Philip the Fair. Okay. We can just make out he's got a falcon on his hand on, and he's got a purse. Yes, I see the purse. And Philip was often shown like that because the, the, um, the purse represents charity and the falcon nobility. Oh, he's neither. <laughs> <laughs> no, but floor to floor, we're, we're looking at how they want to portray themselves rather than what we actually know okay, them to be. So in this painting, if I'm just looking at the one that's supposed to be Philip, um, yep. it's a very different style. So his robe is below knee level, just below the knee mm. level. 
And yet he's got a Roman sort of throw of fabric over top of his shoulder and down and around into a cape. Quite often with Renaissance artists. They take elements. If they did saints or people from distant past, the clothing tended to be a bit... Roman. A bit of ours and a bit of theirs. And, yeah, because yeah. the shoes are definitely this time period. He's not wearing yeah. any sandals. No. Bosch is saying there that you've got uh, St. James on the left representing Spain and St. Bavo on the right representing Burgundy. So that covers Philip's interests. Because that, that is the picture that, uh, that Philip commissioned, which we'll talk about oh. more in the Northern, Northern Renaissance thing. When you open it up, you get the proper Bosch, horrible things happening in hell and all of that uh, thing yeah. that you expect from a Bosch. Yeah. Uh, the falcon can be found in other official representations of Philip. And there's one down there with his dad and his sister. So that's Maximilian sitting in a big throne, looking a bit like Oliver Reed, I think. <laughs> he's got a very puffy face, the lower half of yes. uh, Maximilian, not Philip. Philip? Oh, he's no. quite blonde. I didn't expect him to be a blonde. I don't know why. Yeah. He's got a cane. I'm he's trying to work out what Ma- Margaret's got. It looks like a glass little of glass wine. of something. Yeah. yeah. Perhaps she's got a little glass of Malvsey as well. Perhaps she's... Yeah, I mean, you might think that Philip just liked hunting with falcons, because lots of people did. Yeah. And there uh, doesn't need to be anything symbolic in it, but we know the Middle Ages better than that. <laughs> it puts yes. symbols everywhere. Yes. And the falcon had been one of the main attributes of the iconography of Mary of Burgundy. That's Philip's mum, who had chosen... The that as a symbol of her authority because she was a woman she couldn't use a sword as a symbol of authority so she went with the falcon so that sort of came down through the ages and then charles philip's son uses it a lot in his portraits okay yeah so the the other picture is the one you see most often i think it's probably his wikipedia picture with the golden fleece dangling from the golden fleece yes he hasn't hasn't got a falcon in that one no, not a good-looking ant to me. I don't know why. Like, they must have had a very different idea of what beautiful was. I think so. I think you're right about Eeyore. I think he's the human personification. He really of is. Eeyore. That's the face. Yes. That is totally an Eeyore face. So in this one, which I believe is probably going to be the most accurate likeness, the other ones, well, yeah. the one with his father is way too small to get any likeness of. I no, and he's an archetypal sort of dashing. Lad about town, really, isn't he? Yeah, on one? the other ones. So, okay, so he's got the Burgundian cap, which is slightly different than the Tudor one in that it has a front flap that lays back. That's why you can yeah. see it slightly a different color. I really love the clothing. <laughs> and then he's got the golden fleece. I mm. can't tell. It doesn't Not much like else to, to talk about, really, is there? I mean, there's not no. much else in his clothing. There's no symbolism other than the golden fleece. He's got the shoulder, not off off the shoulder length hair. Yes. Very straight. And he's staring off into the distance. He has got, um, yeah, I can see why he was called Lippy as a child. Yes, he's got very full lips. But yeah, he doesn't have the Habsburg jaw at all. Not yet, no. That comes the next generation. Yeah. Because he has it with a vengeance, doesn't he? Yes. (laughs) Poor Charles. I like the picture. Yes, the picture is really well done. Hmm. But it doesn't, other than the golden fleece, I'm going to give it a five because it's a likeness. Yeah, and I think it probably is quite a a good likeness. I'll go with five as well. Okay. Oh, we didn't do the totals. 
as we well, were going through. It's not a lot, through. is it? It was 18 for amphiboly, yep. 3 for antiperistasis, yes. 0 for martyrdom, <laughs> yes. 2 for batim, and 10 for flaunt to flaunt. Which so we could five. chop that in half, so that's 5. So a total score of 28. Mm. Not fantastic. No. Fair, I'd say that was just fair. Just fair. Philip. Yeah. <laughs> so... The question, and I've got a feeling I might know the answer to this. <laughs> <laughs> Are they too delicious or what? Of course we do. Look at him. No. Oh, he's lovely. No. He's lovely. <laughs> no? I'm going to no? go with the no. Oh. Well, I haven't sold him to you then. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. No. No. No, he can go and boil his bottom in a fat prussic acid as far as I'm concerned. I don't want to give him too delicious. I mean, unless we've maligned him. And if we come across, I don't know whether we can come back and redo his scores if we get to, when we do Juana and we discover, nope, she was completely off her head and he was, he was looking after her. Even if he was looking after her, still, the amount of ladies and all is, yeah, I know. No, I'm yeah. going to go with no. I suppose... Ladies came with the territory, didn't they? Everybody comments about Henry VII not, not having any having... ladies. Yes. Yeah, and that is unusual. I think a lot better of him. I think that's one of the things which bumps him up quite a lot in my rating. Yes. Henry. It was expected that you were going to have affairs and you didn't. Mm. Well, sorry, Philip. No, I'm not. Philip, you haven't got a delicious. Nope. Nope, nope, nope. Oh, I get to find out my next one. Yes, you do. Mm-hmm. What's my next one, then? Yes. <laughs> okay, next one is... Michael N. Goff and Thomas Flamanc, the Cornish Rebellion. Oh, the Cornish ones. Yes. Ah, that's going to be quite interesting. Is that going to be the last rebellion that we have to talk about? Well, you've got Edmund. Yeah. But even Edmund didn't really do a rebellion. Maybe that is the last one. It might oh. be. We might have finally secured him on the throne <laughs> at the <laughs> end of this one. Yeah, you're welcome, Henry. Ah, that'll be interesting. <laughs> That'd yes, it will. Oh I, oh, I know what I'm going to do, Fair. Come with me, if you will. Oh, already? Yes. Oh, yes. Mm. <laughs> I'm quite excited about this one. Awesome. That may be something a bit different as well. Yes. Commoners. Are they the first commoners we've done? You could say John Cabot was a commoner. True, yes. But these will be yeah. the first actual British commoners. Hmm. Oh, that'd be an interesting look at it from that angle. Yeah. That is the end of our episode on Philip the Fair, Duke of Burgundy. We hope you enjoyed it and will join us for the next episode on the Northern Renaissance. You can find details of the podcast and contact us on...
In the meantime, that wench is stark mad. Or wonderful forward. Give him gold enough and marry him to a puppet or an aglet baby. Or an old trot with ne'er a tooth in her head. Though she have as many diseases as two and fifty horses. Goodbye. Goodbye. Sulks and doldrums drive me to my grave Oh, why did I get wed? Don't want her in my bed You can't live with the man you can't rule without What is wrong with women? They can't accept the truth No more tantrums, straight to an asylum She's lost the bloom of youth Oh, when can I get rid? I've already got the kid You can't live with the man you can't rule without Okay, I need to know, what is an aglet baby? An aglet baby? And obviously we're all connoisseurs of aglets around here. <laughs> but apparently there are some aglets that were in the form of a doll. Oh, that would be creepy. Well, I don't know. It depends how creepy the doll, but I'm not, I couldn't quite envisage this. Oh, yeah. And that was called an aglet baby. <laughs>